0: Let's go.
1: The four o'clock football frenzy, frenzy. on Cofield and company. company.
0: Busy day in sport, Cofield and Company. Willie's here as the company. We got VGK in Dallas. Golden Knights have to win here down the stretch. Have to have to have to, especially against the team they're going head to head with for a playoff spot. 5 30 start. Uh, NBA is back in just a couple minutes here, Willie. we got Atlanta trying to stave off elimination against Miami.
1: Yeah, and they might have a good chance of doing it. Uh, Miami announced Jimmy Butler. He's been experiencing some stiffness in the knee, a little soreness, and I guess it didn't get better. So he's out, line dipped from Miami 6.5 to 4.5, sort of the second big NBA announcement tomorrow's game. Now Zach Levine was going to be out for the Bulls, or that he entered – Health and safety protocols, I should say. Bucks went from ten to twelve, so a couple of big names for tonight and tomorrow.
0: College basketball news in. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but Marvin Menzies is back as a head coach. He got the job at UMKC. I think they're trying to brand it Kansas City, so he's the yeah. head coach in uh, Kansas City with the UMKC. Are, are those the kangaroos?
1: From are those the kangaroos? Yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: Who's the busiest man in all of Las Vegas this week with the NFL descending upon Sin City? Adam Hill. I'll make a prediction. If things
1: don't go well, it could be David Chesnoff. <laughs> okay. All right, well, that's potential. I mine's a guarantee. Well, yours is a potential busy man. I'm my guy is guaranteed, your guy is potentially busy. Well, It ain't our fault. Believe me,
0: I'm not going to go down that path because Willie will rip my head off. But uh, Chesnoff represents seemingly every celebrity, athlete, musician who gets in trouble in Las Vegas. So a couple of things. We have all these cool events here, right? And we want them all to go off well. It's the outside folks who come in who F things up, right? So one, I, I don't know. The, uh, what's going on with uh, the whole baby world, right? With Lil Baby and Dub Baby. But I think Dub Baby is the one that's the real problem. Like, he's already had an incident, uh, in Vegas where apparently he slapped a driver, uh, last year. That got settled with a payment. But he's got a blotter that's filled with like 12 to 15 allegations. He's always in trouble. Well, he's here, right? He's going to be here at Dre's, uh, our guy rick ross oh yeah is he gonna he's gonna get out to uh any kind of local farm make sure he goes to see some animals man he that's our favorite but uh little baby is headlining thursday rick ross is friday Duh baby is saturday uh isn't this guy tory isn't he the one who shot uh uh what's your face in the feet right so he's he's here on sunday
1: so Uh, Wait, the baby is the guy who yesterday a video surfaced from a shooting in 2018. The surveillance, like secret surveillance footage, had just come out. He was claiming self-defense. Yes. And I don't know what the surveillance footage showed. But as far as Rick Ross is concerned, shout out to all the pairs. If you know what that means, then you know. If you know, you know. Shout out to all the pairs.
0: What is it, Tori Lana? He's the one. uh, He was the one who was uh, was involved in the uh, Megan Thee Stallion thing. So uh, head on a swivel. The baby is in town. Now, now on top of that, now think about it, on top of that, uh, unfortunately, the Cromwell is also the place where we had Alvin Kamara get in trouble, and there's more developments on Kamara as his attorneys are saying, hey, we need to, we just got more video, so we need to review that. So now that whole thing, that uh, beatdown of some dude by Kamara and like three of his friends, including another NFL player, that's now delayed until August 1st. All I'm saying is, The world is ascending upon Las Vegas. The NFL is here. And as we mentioned before the NFL came here, I know NFL, you were concerned about Las Vegas. We were worried about you coming here. And so far, you've delivered in some negative ways. Obviously, the Raiders had the ultimate tragedy with Tina Tintor, one of our locals. So everyone who's coming to Vegas and listening right now, please, we're built for these events. If you're losing your cool, that's on you. Because the rest of us live here pretty much without incident, and we can do all the things you're going to do for the next four days. We can do it 24-7, kind of. The, the city's closed down a little more than it used to. But we
1: can do it 365 days a year. And we're cool with it, right, Willie? Yeah, no, we're cool. We're good. Everything's good. I mean, you know, the only thing I can advise is that if if you run across a situation and it, it just sort of – it grows exponentially over the three days. And David Chesnov's line is busy. Don't forget that there's Louis Palazzo and Rick Wright. They're very capable also.
0: All right. We're, we're giving pops out. Uh, let's <laughs> give away some tickets right now. we got a show coming up on May 8th, House of Blues, Ticket Masters, where you can get your own tickets for this one. It's the Cult. The Cult is here on May 8th, House of Blues. The ticket window open. Ari is manning it. Call him right now. Call her 7 Again, the show is... Sunday, May 8th, the Colt is in town playing the House of Blues. You know, we just talked about the Giants in our path to the draft. They have picked number 5 and number 7, and really curious to see what Seattle is going to do. Clearly, the organization needs a quarterback. They're sitting in the 9-hole, but is there really a quarterback who's worth using a top 10 pick on? We'll talk to one of the Seahawks experts in just a couple minutes on Cofield & Company.
1: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. In the trade from
2: the Dallas Cowboys, With the 28th pick in the 2008 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Lawrence Jackson, defensive end, USC.
3: It's time for Cofield and
1: Company's Path to the Draft.
0: Yeah, we'll find out Thursday in a couple years from now. Number one picks are not guaranteed. Seattle has had their share of disasters in the first round. Yeah, that one was not good back in... 2008 chuck powell covers the seahawks covers the seattle scene for kjr he does the morning show there chuck how you doing buddy
3: hi steve what's happening man did you uh, do that for like- all of the guests you just played some laughable pick in their draft pass because if you did it i love it <laughs>
0: every single one and our vast sound crew because we've got like 14 <laughs> people doing sound behind the scenes here for the life of them they're like we can't find dan mcguire 91 and rick meyer 93 because that is one of the funniest things in nfl history that they tried two quarterbacks in three years and they
3: both stunk <laughs> uh and don't forget about kelly Stoffer in that mix um who they adjusted to after the cardinals traded uh Kelly uh drafted kelly stopper yes uh and i can't even tell you i was going to uh give you the quote uh from the kelly Stoffer draft pick, but i don't think i can say it anymore so I'll just
0: skip it. There you go. Um, and yet they've they've also made <laughs> they've made amazing picks with you know essentially having back to back quarterbacks that span however long Hasselback and Russell Wilson span. Um, you know those, those were big. The other the other thing that's fascinating with the Seahawks is they've kind of over the last uh, you know since 2013 they've had multiple years where they have no first round pick, which is kind of what the Rams do. Except the Rams are good at it, and the Seahawks really haven't been very very good without their number one pick.
3: Well, they've they've always like, traded down. I mean, that's the that's the what you know John Schneider has done in the past is because you're usually trading down in the draft. You know, they've been a successful franchise the last uh, decade. Um, so he's just used it as an opportunity to trade back out of the first round uh, and and then accumulate picks, which you know you know he feels that the first round value is sort of gone. For where they've been picking the last few years. Now the Jamal Adams trade obviously changed that. Uh, that's punting on your last uh, last year's first round pick. It's going to be on this year's first round pick as well, which would have been tenth overall. Now that's a true egg on your face kind of move. I mean, disastrous trade at this point uh, in the process. And frankly, most of us in Seattle don't see it healing itself going forward. So they are living without those two selections and. If not for the Russell Wilson trade, they wouldn't be in the first round this year. Um, But I don't suspect that now that they're in the top ten for the first time since Russell Okun, uh, which was, what, 11 years ago, um, I think they've got to use this ninth pick overall and get someone uh, that they tremendously value uh, because they've got got gaping holes everywhere uh, on this roster, including at the four most pivotal positions in the sport. Edge rusher, left tackle, cornerback, and for the first time since they drafted Russell Wilson in that same Russell Okun draft, uh, they have quarterback need as well. So they got a lot of work to do. I think they are going to do some trading down in this, but just not out of the first round. That'd be really hard uh, to trade from ninth all the way out of the first round this year.
1: Yeah, you talk about gaping holes, Chuck. They, I mean, I think the only two positions they don't need somebody is at running back or punter. Uh, projected as their first round pick, you mentioned maybe in the secondary. How high are they on Sauce Gardner? Uh, well,
3: it, it, they don't give any information. I can't tell you how high they would be on any individual player. Um, I've heard he's in the mix. And look, this is a this is an organization. This is the doppelgangingest uh, or organization you're ever going to find. When they find a the guy that works for them, they try to find his clone. Uh, when that guy's just about done. And so the description on a six-foot, three-inch, long-armed Sauce gardener is that he's Richard Sherman but with better speed. So it, looked, it would look to me like that's about as ideal a cornerback for Pete Carroll's system and for their needs as they could possibly search for uh, in Sauce Gardner. But th- here's the thing. Pete Carroll's a defensive, not just a defensive guy. He's a defensive back guy. That's his expertise and they've never drafted a cornerback high because they have the philosophy that we can coach them up. Well, it's been a while since they've really coached up a good cornerback. D.J. Reed probably falls under that category, but he fled via free agency. So they have a tremendous need, in my estimation, at the cornerback position, but they also have a tremendous need, as I mentioned before, at edge rusher, at left tackle, at quarterback. So, my guess is that even though cornerback is certainly in play, you know, based on what I've done in, in seven years of following this team and their draft tendencies, my guess would be that cornerback would not be a highest priority to take there at number nine.
1: Well, if they can coach up and develop and establish a sec, uh, cornerback, the question is can they coach up and develop and establish a quarterback out of either Locke or Geno Smith? What, 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 they, are they sold that one of those two is the, their quarterbacks? Go, their starting quarterback going into the 2022-23 season?
3: Uh, they better not be. I mean, <laughs> and, and I don't think that they're sold, but I do believe they really do like Drew, Drew Locke. And they want to see what they can do with him in a year of development. And Tino Smith is just somebody that knows the system. And I'm frankly surprised that he's back at all, especially at some off-field stuff this past year. Uh, but I think they wanted somebody in their room that knew Shane Waldron's system after just one year on the job as offensive coordinator. So they, they brought back Geno Smith probably as that safety blanket. Like, we know what he can do at this position for us, and we're okay with it if it comes to that. But obviously their hope is that Drew Locke is somebody that steps in and can live up to his enormous potential that he had coming out of the draft a few years ago. But they're in the quarterback market. Um, I think they put themselves in a position where they don't have to have one this year, but they certainly have to have one in the next two years. They'll have two more first-round picks next season and two second-rounders, and it's supposed to be a better quarterback draft next year. So it, they might be in a really good position to move up and really get a uh, a good, uh, you know, a, a face of the franchise type quarterback to build around uh, going forward. So if somebody falls to them, if there's somebody that they, they like, and we don't know who they like, they don't give any information out, um, then I think that they will grab a quarterback at the right spot this year. Uh, but it's not feeling like it's absolutely we have to have one.
0: It's funny, though, the, the way you just put that about feeling comfy the next couple of years. Uh, Going after a quarterback because that's about five different teams and they're experts that we've talked to. Like everyone is, you know, trying to gain more assets for next year's draft and the year after for the quarterback. So are you completely against the Seahawks? And we're talking to Chuck Powell from KJR. They have nine, 40, and 41. If one of the bigger name quarterbacks is available at 40 or 41, you still want to take a pass?
3: Well, what I want to do, what I would want to do personally is take your mouth bloodier defensive end or left tackle at nine. And then if either Ritter and specifically Corral, who I like more than Ritter, uh, if he's still down there in the late first round, I think you move up. You get into that first round, you take a quarterback that you like, and you secure a fifth year. You secure that fifth year option. So I, I, th- I think that that's certainly in play for John Schneider. I think they're in a good position to do that if the right quarterback falls to them. I'm not sure how they value these quarterbacks, but uh, they did bring in Desmond Ritter for a visit. So let's say they like Ritter, and if he falls to the bottom of the first round, I think it behooves any organization to part with, let's say, a third-round pick. So you take your second and a third, and you move up into the first round. That extra third-round pick that you're floating the other team will be worth that fifth-year option that you, you now own over a potential, you know, franchise quarterback going forward, so that's what I'd like to see them do. Uh, you know, get your get your, you know, lineman, whether it's offensive lineman or defensive lineman, at nine, and then move up with that 40th pick late into the first round, uh, if if one of those quarterbacks that you value is still on the board.
0: So I was never sure how intense the battle was between Schneider, Carroll, and Russell Wilson. So. If there was a battle, the the two guys won out. Wilson is off to Denver. Um, in the case of Pete Carroll, so you're going through a little bit of a rebuild here, right, trying to retool. Is he good to coach until he's like 74, 75 years old? He's 70 now. Um, or are we looking at a guy who's 75 who's not succeeding and is, you know, the Jim Bayheim of, of uh, the NFL? Well,
3: I mean, they've, they've made the decision organizationally Uh, And, by the way, he's the most powerful person in the organization, so this shouldn't surprise you. Right, right. uh, I've decided I'm staying. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, I I mean, what I think what's happening here is that this is an organization. Remember I said they're doppelgangers. I mean, they, they try to repeat what they've done successfully in the past. Well, every year for the last five years we've seen a decline In this team's performance, they seemingly are less of a threat to the Lombardi Trophy every year for the last five years than they were the year before. So what do you do if you're John Schneider and you're Pete Carroll and you are guys that like to rinse and repeat successes from the past? Well, you go back to when you won a Super Bowl. And how did they win that Super Bowl? It was with a game-managing quarterback at a really low salary, a third-round pick, and then you build up the best defense you know, of your era, and you do that through the draft, uh, and you try to win zigging while everybody else is zagging, throwing the ball 45 times a game. So this is what I think is their plan, and I know that John Schneider, as general manager, is excited about it. He's rolled back his sleeves. We actually see him in public again, where for two full years we've not seen or heard from him. Uh, as a Seattle media base and so he's ready to roll back his sleeves and 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 rebuild this thing and and excited to build a championship team through the draft where he's the star I think he had to bring Pete kicking and screaming uh, to make this move and the only way you could have done this is if you traded Russell Wilson uh, not only to clear out the salary but also to give you the draft capital that you would need in order to try to pull something like this off so I think maybe Pete was the last one on board with this, but I do believe that this organization right now uh, is fully behind the idea of rebuilding it the way that they won with it 10 years ago, and they remind us of it constantly, how good they were 10 years ago at this. Uh, so I think that's that's the the brand right now, and they also have convinced themselves that they're going to do it a lot faster than any of us think They're not even calling it a rebuild, even though it looks like to you and me and everybody listening, probably that this team's rebuilding right now.
0: Well, they're they're in such an interesting position in the division, and you know, like the Raiders, and I think the Raiders have a much better roster than the Seahawks, and they actually have a quarterback. The Raiders are looking up, and they're like, my God, that's an arms race here in the AFC West. Every time we make a move, you know, the other teams are loading up with more players, and you know, for the Seahawks, you've got the Niners who are just a quarterback away, I think, from being a consistent twelve-win team, and. The Rams are just defying like every rule in how to build a, a football program, a, a team in the NFL, by you know saying screw the picks, and we're just going to keep collecting high mm-hmm. guys and nailing it later in the draft. I mean, the Seahawks are up against it in this division.
3: Uh, yeah, there, yeah, there's no question about it. And look, the the Rams pulled it off. I mean, everybody thought that they were making uh, you know suicidal moves in terms of their future. And they just kept adding more payroll and giving up draft picks and, and everything else. And lo and behold, it worked. I mean, they've won their championship and their window's not closed. I mean, you're still looking at Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, the three most important and best players on this roster, uh, being in the prime. I mean, they don't look like they're anywhere close to being done. So they've already pulled off you know everything that people you know were laughing about in the corner about they're gonna be terrible in the future. Well, so what? you know if if you've won a championship, it worked. and if you've also put yourself in a window where you could possibly win another one or two uh, before your guys have aged, uh, then yeah, you you're the ones now laughing in the corner at everybody else and and if it's time for a rebuild in the National Football League, if you're good at rebuilding, you can do it in two years. so, Yeah, this team is certainly behind the eight ball right now and trying to track down the 49ers uh, and the Rams, and I think that's why they're doing what they're doing right now is because they want more resources at their fingertips rather than a a quarterback that they believe is on the decline who doesn't really want to be here, and Russell Wilson who had become a bit of a headache to them uh, on and off the field these past few years with some of his demands. And they just believe that we won when we built up a great team around a cheap quarterback. And I think that's what they're going to try to do again, to try to chase down the other teams in their division.
0: So that's the story on the Seattle Seahawks. Chuck Powell with us from KJR in Seattle. Let's close on this, Chuck. Chuck, you were in Vegas working for a National Radio Network at the time, Sports Fan Radio Network. I was there. JT, the Brick was there. Before. Yep, yep uh distant memory for you a lot of bad memories you had a r- very rough time in las vegas so vegas didn't treat you well uh, i'm kidding about that part go back go back to whenever you were here 96 97 maybe even 98 and think about it because i tell the audience all the time and then a lot of the you know we've got a lot of locals who have been here for 30 plus years but to think the nfl draft would be in las vegas when some 25 26 years ago it was this weird outpost of sports for this all to happen now in 25 years to me is nuts
3: yeah, I mean, uh, well, you, you, you walked me right in to promote something that we do on the show. Not that anybody listening is going to tune in tomorrow. Uh, but uh, we call it draftness. This is what has become of the NFL Draft. I, I liken it to Christmas. It is a two-month-long celebration that we go on. We evaluate the NFL Draft more than any other sporting event in the entire calendar year. Yep. And yep. think about it. That's true. I mean, there are mock drafts daily now available to you year-round, and not just one guy. It's like a 100 guys updating their mock draft on a weekly basis. And so uh, we have turned it into we play Christmas music the entire month of April uh, because we turned it into draftness. That's what we call it on our show. And it's counting down the days to the NFL draft, being a part of a a month-and-a-half, two-month-long celebration, And all of it at the end of the, of the, of the holiday is to unwrap those gifts, those mysterious gifts that are under our NFL draftness tree that we're trying to figure out. We're shaking the boxes. We're peeling back the wrapping paper. We're trying to figure out what's underneath there. Those are our toys. Those are our presents that we get to play with for the next four to five years. And so that's how we treat it. We've just done a complete blowout. Like this is Christmas time in the National Football League. And we, we dedicate about eight segments per show to it <laughs> every single day. So if that doesn't tell you what the NFL draft has become, I don't know what does.
0: Yeah. we're expecting uh, in total like 600,000 people in town over the, uh, the next four or five days and you know setups at the Bellagio, a whole stage built on uh, near Koval and Flamingo behind the Flamingo and the link it's gonna be pretty crazy. Oh, wow. here. yeah, it's pretty nuts yeah look, yeah. we appreciate a couple <laughs> minutes. Thanks man. All right. Thanks, guys. There he is, Chuck Powell, KJR. I'm kind of rooting for Seattle to take a quarterback because that will make Chuck's head explode. Not live on the <laughs> air, but. Like, you know the, the, you know, the funny thing is about his whole draft miss uh, theme, which, by the way, we are stealing. Um, any excuse to play Christmas music in April, I'm I'm all about it. Um, it, it. It is lunacy, like, how into the NFL draft we get and how little people know, Willie, about these prospects. Because even the teams can't get it right. But you're going to have fans all over the country on Thursday and Friday and a Saturday screaming and yelling about picks sure. that they didn't want. And it's like, do you even know what you're talking
1: about? Well, it sounds like uh, Golden Knights fans or any local fan base of, of different teams and, and thinking that they know how to coach. But in the meantime, they're going to their whatever it is that they do in their, their job. And they know best – at what they do, but the coach they're yelling at or the GM they're yelling at probably couldn't go do their job, but they know these pro sports better, obviously.
0: Up next,
2: I'm going to tell you what
1: idiots the Nets are. What kind of team did they build here?
2: Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Over a million people a week visit Las Vegas except for next week, that number doubles, because of one event. The, the drive. Drive. Celine Dion.
0: You didn't just say Celine Dion, did you just say that?
2: The Rams are on the clock. Yellow 25, you're on the move. Find your angle, and don't hesitate. I never hesitate.
1: You're live with the Fat Pack
0: on Cofield and Company. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Willie Ramirez here, Cofield. Well, the Rams are awesome, man. They are—they completely embrace being in L.A. They completely embrace this F-them picks and their team-building style. They put together a fake movie trailer, like a three-minute movie trailer, on the block. You have to watch this. It is insane. And then throughout, there's all different Rams players. There's uh, someone playing Les need the GM. Another actor playing uh, Boy Genius, McVeigh. I think it's Dennis Quaid is playing Stan Kroenke, which is friggin' awesome. And then you heard that funny line in there about, you know, what a week coming up? A million people come to town, but it's going to double this week because of the NFL draft, well, slash Celine Dion. So you gotta got to watch it. Ty-
1: Tyrese. Yeah, yeah so Tyrese he, he, from, 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 he is in it. From yeah, from so Furious. Fast and Furious. It's got a little bit of Fast and Furious. It's got a little bit of – it's got a blend of different themes of – a heist, and this, a little Ocean's Eleven. It's it's fantastically done.
0: So much fun. The Rams are cool. Rams are very cool. The Brooklyn Nets, not that cool. Not um, cool at all. Fun to cover because all the stories and the drama. And by the way, I was clearly hyping it up when I went to break saying they're idiots for the way they built this team. Um, I want Kevin Durant to stay around. But Kevin Durant's got to decide if he wants to win titles, if he wants Kyrie Irving around. Now, here's the problem. Who's the adult in the room? Because I think it's Kevin Durant. But then, you know, Durant has to watch yesterday as Charles Barkley and Shaq are talking about who drives the bus, who rides on the bus, which I mentioned yesterday. Like, Shaq, there's a lot of people who actually think you rode the bus, that the driver, even from a super young age, was Kobe, and the easy clap back on Barkley is uh, once he was done with the Sixers and couldn't win a title there, then he joined forces with other teams where he was the second or third guy. I'd argue he was the first guy in the Suns. So Kevin Durant wakes up today. He sees the whole driving the bus, riding the bus thing. So then he's got to respond to Barkley and post a bunch of pictures of Barkley on the Rockets, you know, when they had some great players around him like Hakeem and Clyde Drexler, but for me, and I know this is Durant's thing to get you know sassy about social media, bruh, just stay off. Take the high road, be the adult, so then you can go to the organization and go, I am the adult, okay? And what Kyrie just did this last year with all the vaccine nonsense and then his weirdness with the fans – Saying it's not hostility, yet he's firing the finger, cussing at people. Someone's got to take charge in the organization, because frankly, that combination, especially when you mix in the oddness of Ben Simmons, it's not
1: going to work next year either, Willie. It's not. And I the the thing that I cracked up with was Kyrie's quote: When I say I'm here with Kip, I think that really entails us managing this franchise together alongside right. John Sean. Dude. Right. When did you even ever think that you entered the conversation as being someone that should be listened to in the management office? You have the no grounds. Shows, the good manager shows up every day for work. Yes, he does. Yes,
0: I'm, I don't. I don't want to hear the vaccine bull crap anymore. It was a condition of your job. Show up to work. When you don't show up for half the season, and it creates unneeded drama, and then after the year, you're like, well. For
1: those of us in management like what where were you right and here's the thing and and let's let this be clear to the listeners neither steve nor i are bemoaning the fact if that was his decision fine but that then you get what what comes with that i was missing the season not being able to play in certain situations and basically showing that you are not on board so that, so that disallows you to have any say-so with this franchise. It disallows you to have that I'm Stan with Kev and we will manage this franchise together. Dude, you can barely manage your career, let alone manage a franchise. Kevin Durant, this is Kevin Durant's team. End of story. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. It's his team. When decisions are to be made, when free agents are to be brought in, guess who you go to? One person. There's not two people that you need to go to on this franchise. One is Kevin Durant. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Money, why,
2: why get money, get
1: money, it's Cofield and Company's Eye on
2: Sports Betting, betting with Sammy P. Hey, Sammy P.
0: Let's bring in Sam Panayotovic. Let's figure out how to bet the draft. And by the way, you got to do it quickly because in Vegas we get the odds up. And they get pulled down 24 hours before the draft. So the draft first pick goes down Thursday at 5 o'clock. What's up, Sam?
2: Mr. Cofield, getting ready to rock, getting ready to roll. You know, it's funny. People always ask Wednesday and Thursday before the draft, who do you like? (laughs) And I'll be honest with you, I personally have made 80% of my bets already. I, I might add a couple more. But the heavy lifting is mostly done in the weeks before the draft. And then the Sunday, Monday, maybe Tuesday, the week of the draft, you try and get ahead of the information that comes out. I'll give you a perfect example. We bet Quay Walker, who's a Georgia linebacker. We bet him last week on a Thursday or Friday. He was 40 and a half, his draft position. Went under 40 and a half. His prop right now is 32 and a half. Nice. And then... People will go, well, do you still like it under? And you're like, no. (laughs) You know, this information and the money behind the information, it moves so fast.
1: Sammy P., let me ask you a question. You and your group, when it's all said and done since you start so far in advance, will you have more action on the draft than the Super Bowl or more tickets than the Super Bowl? What do you think if you compare it?
2: That's a really good question, and I wasn't prepared for that, but let me just spitball here <laughs> on the fly. I would say there's more action on the Super Bowl props because we can get more down. That's that's the real problem, Willie. You can't really get a lot of action down on the draft because most of the American books, you know, not to name names, but they're not taking big bets. Super Bowl props in town, you can get down a nickel or a dime at Westgate right. Circle. You can get down more for that matter. Yeah. Um, but you can't get down, Jack. We, we have more probable, probably more draft tickets, but definitely more money on the Super Bowl. And I don't know if you guys heard Derek Stevens over at Circa give this quote. He said, Our best result on the draft every year is we lose, our worst result is we get crushed. Right. And it's really a market where the casual better is not really getting down, it's mostly people with information that are trying to just shut your lights out. So the limits are very low. And uh, as you guys know, I mean, uh, there was really only one or two books in Vegas last week taking bets. I think Westgate and Circa put them up yesterday. They're going to take them down Wednesday. These books aren't taking bets because they don't make money on it.
0: Yeah, we we sat down with uh, Derek Stevens. I think it was, I don't know, last year. I've lost track of time with COVID. But uh, we sat down before one of the drafts at Bar Canada. Uh, At the D and he was like, he's like, yeah, we're going to get destroyed. I mean, he he just, he was being honest because they, they had hung so many over under player props, like to the tune of like 70 or 75 and had them up for so long that they got crushed. And that's why I don't, I mean, you're, you're in this community a lot more than I am. I'm kind of on the outside watching it. I don't understand um, when players will get pissed off because they only have three days to bet something. Right. And it can be frustrating, but of all places to go after Circa's kind of the last place you go after, isn't it?
2: Yeah, you can't really go after them. I mean, they might not have the most options, but they're definitely taking bets. I
0: mean, they're, cons- and- they're, consistent. they're the consistent, most aggressive book. So if the owner tells you a couple of years ago that, hey, we overdid it, I think you got to respect that choice. And I, I, know, I know gamblers are not pro books, so they're never going to look at it from that side of things. How, how – how limited are you in terms of what you're betting? Because I actually, I sent you numbers from the cannery that that they had posted. They put up, uh, it's Boyd Gaming, up on Twitter. Are you not going to, you have no interest in over, under, on positions drafted um, in the first round, like quarterbacks, running backs, safeties, tight ends, and wide receivers?
2: I'll tell you, most of the bets in the draft that I make are on the draft position, and that's a specific player to go over or under a certain number. That's right. 75% of the action, and then the other bets are sort of like we've got Kenny Pickett at plus 400 to go to this team or uh, this player at this number. We have Stingley from LSU, the cornerback, to go to Seattle at 9-1. to one. So it's draft position over under, and then we have longer shots on player to go to team X. The issue I have with how many safeties are going to be taken in the first round is, the numbers one and a half. The prices moved so much. I remember when it was one and a half, like minus one ten, and then all of this talk about the safety from Michigan. I think his name is Jax Hill. He's now rumored to go twenty six, twenty seven. So that one and a half price on the safety. If you wanted to go over one and a half safeties in the first round, you can't lay one ten anymore. Now you got to lay three hundred. So. That those markets move so fast, and now I'm not going to just go under to take a good number because what the books do is when they realize they put a bad number up, they just price you the hell out of the market, and then they're hoping that the ARB guys and the scalp guys who you know didn't take the bet at under one and a half at, at plus 100 or whatever, they're hoping now they're going to take under one and a half at plus 250 or whatever. So they're trying to level their positions and their liabilities by moving these markets. I remember I lived in Vegas, and there was a number on how many offensive linemen will go in the first round, and the number was one and a half. That was the year Quentin Nelson went, I think, fourth or fifth or sixth, and then Mike McGlinchey was rumored to go 15th. Well, guess what? Week of the draft, the Niners are like, yeah, we're going to take McGlinchey, and the Niners picked 10th. That prop on the over one-and-a-half lineman top 10 went from minus 150 to minus 220 to minus 800, and then it was off the board because the information dictates everything.
1: So if information dictates everything, what are you doing? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Information the Raiders have. They don't draft until the second day. Then they got a handful on the uh, third day. Raider draft bets.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I have not made a single position on the Raiders because, like you said, they don't pick in the in the first round. Um, I, look, I, I think it's very tough, and some of these books have markets on, you know, what will Team X do with their first pick, offense or defense? I, I don't have the Raiders price in front of me, but I'm going to guess that it's probably – I mean, you guys would know better than I would. I would imagine it's probably the favorite that they go defense over offense given that their offense isn't really the problem. I would imagine that prop is probably defense minus 125 and offense plus 105. I, if I'm them, I go defense. But I'm not I'm not plugged in to what the Raiders are going to do in round two when really it becomes a question of who's the best available player. I can give you a couple props that are still available. Let me answer your question in a different way. Uh, Nicobe Dean, uh, we bet over 30 and a half this morning. I think Circa's got 31 and a half. I've been told he's going in the second round by several people that know what they're talking about. So over 31-and-a-half on Dean, N'Kobe Dean. And then there's a 16-and-a-half, actually a couple 16-and-a-halves in Las Vegas on offensive lineman Trevor Penning, who played at Northern Iowa. And you might think, well, what do you what do you know about Northern Iowa, blah, blah, blah. His position is 16-and-a-half. There's a need for offensive line at 14-and-16, it's a little pricey to go under 16 and a half, like minus 130, minus 140. But if it turns out Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon that the team picking 14th or 16th says, yeah, we're going to take Trevor Penning, again, that number's going to run. So those are two numbers that are still available. Penning under 16 and a half, Dean over 32 and a half. And uh, my favorite bet so far, Steve, we went under 10 and a half draft position on Sauce Gardner. His number now is five and a half. So this is proof that you got to start doing this work you know early March, mid-march through late March. these markets do open you know weeks and weeks and weeks ago. so you study the information, you listen to shows like Chicken Dinner, get ahead of the curve and and you can get really good numbers that uh, that put you in a great position going forward.
0: Sam Penttaichch Nessen Fox Sports is with Cofield and company covering the uh... Betting on the draft, let's also talk some NBA. Milwaukee's not out of the series yet against <laughs> Chicago. Big number they're going to be laying tomorrow, but the series price has already been set with the Celtics and the Bucks.
2: Yeah, which is wild, and I don't know if you saw that price. I was texting with Jeff Sherman at the book last night, uh, the Superbook, and the series price right now on Milwaukee to bounce Chicago is 15000 which means you have 15000 to win $100,000. Um, <laughs> I would not implore you to do that, even though it's a certainty – But yeah, that game ends last night. The Celtics sweep the nets and Sherman wasted zero time putting up a price. Now you'll ask, well, what happens if the Bucks lose and the Bulls win at seven? Well, all those bets get voided and you get your money back. But the price that Jeff opened was Boston minus 200 against Milwaukee plus 180. Uh, Took a little bit of money though early on Milwaukee. There's a a lot to like for a lot of people on Giannis at plus money. And i I'm going to guess Middleton comes back game three or game four. So, you know, there's a there's a lot to like with Milwaukee, defending champs. They know how to win. But I'll tell you, man, this Celtic team, and I'm not a Celtics fan by any means. I live out here and I work around them. That's probably the deepest team in the NBA right now, eight, nine guys deep. They defend the hell out of you. And this Jason Tatum kid is on a mission. The last three postseasons, they lost to Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami. They just bounce Brooklyn. They face Milwaukee. If they bounce them, guess what? They get Miami. Odds are good. So this is one of those interesting stories where Brad Stevens goes upstairs, brings in Utoka to coach this club, and they are a menace on the defensive end. Very good defensive club. And in an East, it's very injury riddled with Embiid and Middleton and Kyle Lowry. Uh, this is opening up for Boston to uh, make an NBA Finals.
0: Where are we with the NBA title market?
2: Golden State Warriors, baby. It's amazing how that works. They are the betting favorite, and they've really been the betting favorite after two things happened. Uh, Number one, we watched Steph Curry come in and score like 34 points off the bench in game two. The other side of that is Devin Booker going down with the hamstring injury. And, you know, I didn't play basketball professionally, but I played it at a decent enough level. The hamstring doesn't get better over a month or two. That takes a long time to get back to where it needs to be, and there's a lot of cutting and a lot of slashing and driving, and Devin Booker at 70% um, does not make the Phoenix Suns better than the Golden State Warriors on a neutral court. The only problem there is that Phoenix, of course, has the home court with uh, game seven in Phoenix, so that'll be an interesting series assuming everybody's healthy, but when Curry and Thompson, Green and Wiggins and Jordan Poole are all on the floor together, that is the scariest lineup, five man in the NBA, no doubt, and they're favored. Boston two, Phoenix three.
0: Last one, Sam. I got like a minute left. If you can uh, get to it quickly, um, is Barstool now in some battle with our guys down at Veasan?
2: Oh, I thought we weren't Dragon Books. Now we're Dragon Books. Um, oh, is I, it Barstool Book? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's the Barstool Sports Book. They, uh, they. Here's here's the very short story. Salinas went down into Colorado and made a draft bet. Supposedly, the book printed the ticket, which by law is a transactional event. You owe the t- if you print the ticket, you owe the ticket. Supervisor comes out of the back, looks at the ticket, and says, "Yeah, we shouldn't have done that." And they didn't Ooh. give him the ticket. Wow, that's a problem. That's a red flag. And Selena said, I, "I mean, I made the bet. I gave you the cash. You printed the ticket." And the guy said, "Yeah, we're, that that was a mistake." So. Just be careful for this stuff. Know your rules, know your regs, anywhere you go, anywhere you buy. That's uh, that's a big red flag, though, my friend.
0: Sammy, you got uh, Twitter space coming up here in just a couple minutes, right?
2: Yes, sir. 8 o'clock Eastern. I got Will Brinson from CBS and Nick Costos from You Better, You Bet, two of my buddies who I love to travel to Vegas with, and we're going to try to make you some money and, and teach you how to bet the NFL draft. I know there's not a lot to be bet at this point in time, but uh, strategy for the future, if you will.
0: All right, chop it up. Listeners, get over to Twitter Spaces uh, at SP Shoot. All right, we'll see you, Sam.